Well, good morning, everyone. I'm going to move this real quick. All right. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, I, I do have to say this. You know, I got a lot of things swirling my head uh, today, but just a little while ago, when we baptized those children, you should know this. Some of you may already know this, but uh, one of the fathers is Jason. And uh, Jason and I used to work at Chili's of Gastonia 20 years ago. And uh, he visited here one Sunday and saw me and goes, is that Shane? And let me tell you this, when I worked at Chili's, that was my pre-Jesus days. He would not have let me come near his daughter if it were 20 years ago. But I'll tell you, it's cool. I mean, that's, that's, that's the Lord at work. So, man, what a, what a cool moment that was. It's amazing. Well, everyone, uh, all right, so most of us know that you know, this is my last Sunday preaching here at Harrison, and uh, I've been trying to think. Well, I read a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, what am I going to preach on? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I kept thinking about this and thinking, and then actually I, I kind of shared this very minor dilemma with a few of the members here at the church, and a couple of them said this. They said, well, why don't you just sum up what you've been trying to preach to us for the last four and a half years and then sit down? And I said, oh, I think I can do that. Um, so I would then try to think of what text can kind of capture what I've been trying to say to you for the last four and a half years. So uh, I found a passage. It's really one of my favorites. It's from First Peter, and it's from the first and second chapters of Peter. And I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of our scripture today. From 1 Peter, one of my favorite New Testament letters here. And it will be from various select verses there. But here's how Peter uh, is addressing the Christians of his day. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Then Peter says this, Therefore, since this is happening, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. That was what I used to be, you know, before Chili's, right? Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good and then Peter says this you he's talking to you the church you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Okay, so by the counsel of the people here, just sum up what you've been preaching and then sit down. What I thought we would do here is that I would spend some time, the next few minutes, just summing up 
what I've been trying to say to you. So uh, what, what I'm telling people is, and maybe I've already told you this as you were coming in, you're not going to hear anything new today from me. Hopefully you have heard all of this before. Um, but here it is, kind of these four points. But the reason I selected this passage is because I love the language that First Peter gives. Now, don't you love this? He says that we have a living hope. And then as you catch him when he says, don't be conformed to the desires of this world. And then he says, be holy as you are holy. And then there's that great verse. And it's this verse that has really under, guided my preaching. It's guided my understanding of our, of our place in the church. When Peter says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. So, with all that, I'm going to sum up for you my four years of preaching and four points because I've learned that people at Harrison, they love their lists. So here's one last little list that you can make. People love this. They told me this. And uh, based on this passage today, all right, four points that I've been trying to say. Here's the first point, and it, it should be obvious to you. The first point, be different. Live differently. I mean, I love this idea. The whole idea of the Christian life, according to this passage and throughout the New Testament, the whole purpose of the church is that we are called to be the counter-cultural witnesses to a new world that God is brought to pass that's breaking into our world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're called to be counter-cultural. You ever heard me say that? Yes. Now, when I say countercultural, I do not mean that we're called to be kind of oppositional to the culture at large, that, you know, we're supposed to be you know, hostile to the culture. No, no, no. What the Bible means by being countercultural is that we are supposed to be out in our culture, in the stores, in the shops, in our neighborhoods. We're supposed to go out there, but we're supposed to engage our culture and engage the people in our culture on different terms. We're supposed to engage this world in the name of Jesus Christ and to live like Jesus Christ out into the world, to be his public witnesses. That's what we're called to be. I love how Peter describes Christians. I don't know if you caught the language here in this lesson. Notice what he calls us. He says that we are aliens. We are exiles. We are strangers in this world. We, we do not belong here. We're supposed to live as if we do not belong in this world at all. I mean, recall in that verse that uh, we looked at a few months ago in Revelation. Remember that study on Revelation? And there's that one verse deep inside that letter that I think sums up the entire message that John was trying to convey to the church when he hears this angel calling out to the Christians, Come out! Do you remember that? Come out of Babylon, my people. Come out of her. In other words, come out of the dominant culture and its ways of doing things. Live your life differently, on different terms. Why? So that people can see Christ in you in the way that you live. You know, a few weeks ago when we, uh, I got the call that I was going to be moving to uh, Davidson, my wife and I, we had to think about listing our house. And uh, we listed our house a few weeks ago. And I can remember reading some articles online. And uh, even my real estate agent said this. All these articles were saying, like, if you really want to sell your house, you need to strip your house of all of its distinctive character that belongs to you. 
you got to get rid of all that stuff. you got to get rid of all your family photos. If you've got an accent wall, paint that wall a neutral color. Get rid of all those accents. You know, you want to neutralize everything. Why? Because in neutralizing everything, the whole point is to make the, your house appealing to everyone. And that might be fine to sell a house. But what I think the church has done over the last few decades is, is that we've done the very same thing to the church. You know, we try to strip out of the church everything that's distinctive, our colors, you know, our bright colors, what the church is supposed to be. Why? So we can appeal to everybody. But see, what Peter would say to this is that, man, when you do that, when you try to appeal to everybody and neutralize the church, you are losing your witness. Peter would say it is incumbent upon us as Christians to keep our accent walls. Keep the bright colors of the church. Now, what are the accents of the Christian life? Well, out there in our society, they would love for us to neutralize our message. They would love for us to say, hey, this Jesus guy, he's just one more great teacher among great teachers. He's just one more great moral philosophers among other moral philosophers. See, that's neutralizing. That's stripping the distinctive identity of what the church to be. No, our accent What we're supposed to be about and to say is that Jesus Christ is not a moral philosopher. He is God in the flesh. He's a God that walked among us. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And it is His way of loving the poor. It is His way of loving even the enemies. His way of forgiveness. His way of of the renunciation of power and nonviolence. No, that is what it means to do God's will in the world. That when we see the work of Jesus, we are seeing who God is. We cannot neutralize that. You strip all that out of the church and neutralize it, then we lose our distinctive character as, as Christian people. I mean, what does almost everybody in our culture right now want? Well, the same thing they've always wanted. You go out in the world, what is is everybody chasing after? They want wealth. They want power. They want pleasure. They want honor. And if you and I as Christians pursue the same things, we're no different from anybody else. No, Peter sees us. We're supposed to live out there as like ambassadors. We are ambassadors of a foreign country. And we're supposed to represent that country, the kingdom of God. So, be an alien out there. Be strange. Be odd. Be different. Be different. That's the first point. Here's the second point. And it's really tied to the being different. Be holy. Be Holy. That's what the Christian church is supposed to be about. Be holy. Another way to put this is be a saint. Be a saint. Live your life like a saint. That's what Peter is referring to when he says that you are a royal priesthood. Be a saint. What does it mean to be a saint? Be someone who desires nothing but God in this life. That's what the Christian faith is about. It is about learning how to be holy, how to be a saint. And again, I say to you what I said a few weeks ago. We have got to stop thinking this conventional wisdom that the whole point of the Christian church, the whole point of Christianity is about being moral people. 
It's just about being good people. People say this all the time. Well, I'm a good person. I don't need the church. I'm just going to better my life. And I'm not against morality. Of course not. I'm not against you trying to live a good life. But throughout the pages of the Bible, the New Testament is just begging us to say and to see that the Christian life is so much more than just morality. It is so much bigger than ethics and being a good person. In the New Testament, what God wants to do, according to our Bibles, is that God wants to transform us. He wants to completely transform who you are. That we're supposed to die to ourselves. We're supposed to die to what we want. Die to our aspirations. To die to our egos. Why? So that God's life, that God's new life can grow within us. That it become God in the world. I remind you of that ancient saying that I said to you a few weeks ago. Do you remember this? This is how the ancients summed up the whole message of Christianity for, for centuries. That God became a human being. Why? So that human beings could become like God. That's the point of the church. That's the whole point of why we're even called to be Jesus' disciples. So that we could become like God. A saint is someone who feels the world the way God feels the world. Who has learned to imitate God who can begin to see the world the way God sees the world, the way Jesus sees the world, who, could, who can hear the world the way Jesus hears the world. That is what our point is. Again, I will say to you that, that word that I used a few weeks ago. This is the last time I'll be able to say this word here. But I'm going to carry this with me to my next church. God wants to Christify you. That's what God wants to do. He wants to Christify you. This is what it means to be a priest. You are a royal priest. What's a priest do? A priest is someone who stands between God and the world. I'm like standing right now. I'm your pastor. I'm your preacher. I'm standing before God and and, and you. And I'm hoping that God's life will flow out of me to you. I'm mediating God to you. You are called to mediate God out in the world. You can't do that. Unless you aspire to want nothing but God. And to let God's life just flow through you. All right. Be different. Be holy. Be a saint. And of course, what do all saints have in common? Well, you know, if you study the lives of the saints, they're all different in their personalities. But they're all alike in one thing. They all have J-O-Y. Joy. So that's my third point. Be joyful. How Christians got the reputation over the last few years of being the killjoys in the room, I do not understand this. I mean, think about this. Here we are in the worship space. We're the ones who have the treasures of the gospel. We're the ones who know what leads to eternal life. And yet we're the ones who walk around with perpetual frowns on our faces telling the world to get off our collective lawns. Where did this come from? You know, the gospel, does anybody know what the word gospel really means? It means good news. It is still good news. The Greek word for gospel is evangelion. Same words we can get evangelical or evangelism. But you ask most people, what do we associate with evangelical or evangelism? Anger, bitterness, judgmentalism. 
I, mean, I, I kind of agree with Pope Francis who said a few years ago, he says, why is it that Christians leave church as if they've just left a funeral? Like, why, why do Christians think that the most important season of the year is Lent? We're always about Lent. Oh, yes, Lent. Time to fast, everybody. Time for misery. Time for religion. And we think that's the most important season of the year. We know it's, it's Easter. It's the season of joy. We should be about celebration and rejoicing. I mean, Jesus, this is the point. Jesus came to give us joy. Mary rejoiced when she heard the news of the angel Gabriel. The Magi rejoiced with exceeding great joy when they saw the star in the sky. Jesus told parables in which angels rejoice over one sinner who comes to repentance. Jesus told another parable about a prodigal who came home and what did the father do? He threw a party. I mean, Jesus even said to his disciples at the end of his life, I have said all these things to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. I mean, we are about joy. Peter writes in this passage, he says that God has called us out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. I mean, the whole point of the Christian faith is for us to let God's light radiate through us out into the world. We're called to let that light radiate. And how do you radiate God's light? You can't radiate it if you are a perpetual angry curmudgeon. You radiate God's light through your joy. I mean, through love and through mercy, you let God's light out. And of course, as I said last week, how do we get more joy in our lives? Do you remember? You've got to give it away. You've got to give your joy away. I mean, God wants to liberate you from the tight little confines of our egos inside ourselves. No, what God wants to do is He wants you to break out. Break out of your tiny little self. And let God's joy just radiate through you. All the joyful Christians who have ever lived, they know that you cannot lose anything when you give the things of God away. When you give love away, when you give joy away. No, see, joyful Christians will always know by experience that when you give God's joy away, you get more joy. When you give God's love away, you, you get more love. That's joy. So be different. Be a saint. Desire to want nothing but Jesus. Be joyful what we're about and the last thing be hopeful be hopeful Peter says in our lesson that God has given us new birth into a living hope what is our hope as Christians is it optimism is it believing in something called progress that things will naturally get better no no Peter says the ground of our hope as Christians is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead it's because we believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead that's why we live differently that's why we're supposed to be holy that's why we're supposed to be joyful it's because we believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead you strip the resurrection the bodily resurrection of Jesus from our faith and you're left with nothing this is one of the reasons why Peter, who wrote this epistle, would preach in the book of Acts. He preached this sermon, and then he says this. He says, there's no name under heaven 
by which men and women can be saved. We hear that in our time and we go, oh, that sounds pretty exclusive. And we don't like that. But let that sit with you for just a moment. Is Peter saying that there's no other truth except the Christian faith? He's not saying that at all. There's truth elsewhere. Is there truth in other religions? Yeah, there is. Is there truth in Buddhism and Islam? Yeah, there is actually. Is there truth in even the Greek philosophers like Aristotle? Yes, there is. But, and this is what's distinctive about us, we believe that God did not raise anybody else from the dead except Jesus of Nazareth, which means His way, the way He lived. That is the way to the fullness of truth. That is the way to the fullness of life. Does this mean we're called to be very smug and arrogant and and, and triumphalistic in our faith, kind of looking down on others who do not believe? Absolutely not. I mean, remember, the man that God raised from the dead was a man who lived gently. He lived humbly. But it does mean that because Jesus Christ is raised and because He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, it does mean that our allegiance as Christians belongs to no one else except King Jesus. He is the one whom we will meet in the future. And that was always the good news of Easter in the early church. The new future. I mean, because we believe that Christ is raised from the dead. We can have this living, animated hope. I mean, despite whatever darkness you have ever faced, despite what darkness you're going to face, despite whatever pain you have been through in your life, despite what you are going to see in your life, despite the decisions that you are making now or the transition in life that you are making now, our hope, our confidence is that Jesus Christ is going to meet us And whatever new future God is making. This is what the angel said to the disciples when Christ was raised. He said, Jesus is not here. He's gone ahead of you. And you will meet Him out there. Where? In the future. In the future. The new future that God is making. Well, you know, although there's there's a new future for me getting ready to happen in my family. Oh, there's a new future getting ready to happen for Harrison Church and for you. You all have a new future. But what, what binds us together is that there is the same Lord risen from the dead who is going to meet us in the future that He is making. So be different. Be holy. Love God with all your strength, with everything you have. Be joyful. Be hopeful. Live your life in such a way that it makes no sense unless Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Thank you, Harrison Church, for everything. May God bless you. Oh.